many people watching this today, Mother's Day is hard for you. Maybe you've lost a mom. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you're doing the solo mom journey right now, or maybe you're still praying for the promise of a baby that hasn't yet come. Or maybe you're just finding it hard to celebrate today because of the job that you just lost or because of the battle you are currently facing. So to all of those who are hurting, to those who are wondering, to all of the women, the men, and the young people wandering in the desert, this message is for you. Because I see you, I see your pain, I see your struggle, I see it because I feel it. And we're about to get real and messy and transparent up here in the night service, so I want you to lean in. The theme for Mother's Day this year is where the wildflowers grow. And I know that God wants to birth some wildflowers within you in these next few moments that we have together. I know that if you were to lean in tonight, God would do a work in you while you are on your way to the promise. See, in scripture, we read of God leading the people of Israel to the promised land, but it turned out to be a journey that was way longer than they expected it would. And I see this as a picture for many of us right now. You're on the way, you can see the promise, you can see the promised land, but you're just not quite there yet. This message I have for y'all is called, I'm on my way. So write it down if you're taking notes or say it out loud, say, I'm on my way. And let's pray as we get into it today. God, I just pray that tonight you would show us your goodness and your faithfulness. God, I pray that you would take our mess and turn it into a message. Use this test to produce a testimony within us. And God, I pray that you would transform our pain into promised land perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want y'all to go with me to the book of John chapter nine. This is where we're gonna anchor ourselves at the beginning of this journey. And if you've got your Bibles, pull them out, get those highlighters ready because God wants to speak to you tonight. And I don't want you to miss what he's about to say. But in John chapter nine, we read this story. It starts like this. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? His, this man or his parents that he was born blind? Well, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Now go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. That word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Okay, let's pause here for a moment. This man was born blind. And many people make the false assumption that if somebody is born with a handicap, or if somebody comes down with a disease, or if somebody is facing a hardship, then it's a result of their sin or of generational sin from their parents. We think, well, they must have messed this up for themselves. Ain't that right, Rabbi? And Jesus is like, y'all, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. It's not a result of his sin. It's not not a punishment on his life. Rather, this is an opportunity for the glory of God and his miracle working power to be displayed in him. See what the world sees as an issue, God actually sees as an opportunity to influence. What the world sees as pain and punishment, God sees as a platform for his power. There's a shift in perspective that we need to grab onto here. 
The world would love for us to focus on the perspective of pain. Think about it. That's all we see on media news channels these days. Just some bad news. That's what gossip circles among friends froth over. That's what companies can sell to is somebody else's pain. But Jesus walks in with the perspective of the promised land. The perspective that says, hold up y'all. This man may have been born blind, but that is not his destiny. See, his final destination is not being blind. His final destination is the promise. And now because of what he has walked through, that promise is gonna taste so much sweeter to him. Because of what he has walked through, when that promise comes, it's coming in the form of a miracle. And now there's gonna be a crowd of witnesses that will gather around to witness it. See, while you are on your way to the promised land, you need to let your life be a platform for his power. Let your life be a platform for his power. Now, before we go any further on this journey together, I want you to fully grasp this. See, the pain you are currently facing is not a punishment on your life. It's not. But perhaps God is allowing you to walk through this desert season so that you might be willing to allow him to manifest his power within you, to display his miracle working power within you. We all have a platform, it's our life, and we get the opportunity to surrender it to him. When I think of this, I think of when there's say a performer on stage or a teacher at the front of the classroom and they ask for a volunteer to demonstrate something to everybody else. And I see God reaching out his hand to us saying, hey, could I use you to demonstrate my miracle working power to everybody else? Could I use your life to instill hope in the lives of other people? Could I use your life as a platform for my power? Now, before we talk about this crowd of witnesses, let's just talk about how Jesus healed him. See, Jesus spit on the ground. He made some mud with his saliva and then took that mud and rubbed it on the blind man's eyes. Ew. Like for all those that know me, you know I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. So this sounds disgusting to me. I mean, but there was this one time where I did something disgusting in order to win a game you know, cause I'm uber competitive. I was around 14 years old and I was playing in this three V three soccer tournament. So teams of three were playing against each other and I was playing and all of a sudden my contact lens just popped out. And usually when I can feel my contact lens coming out, I can catch it and just pop it right back in. But this time it was gone. I looked on the grass, couldn't see it. I had to keep playing. But it became really difficult where I could see straight with one eye, but then the other eye was a bit wonky, just out of focus, which really warps your depth perception. And I couldn't just run around on this soccer field with one eye closed. And so finally halftime came. And I ran over to my coach and I said, coach, I can't see. And the parents heard me and the parents gathered around me and they were trying to come up with a solution because remember it's 3v3. They needed me to play. They needed me to be on that field. And then all of a sudden somebody's mom, not my mom, just somebody else's mom said, what prescription are you? And I tell her and we find out she has the same prescription. And she goes, you want mine? Meaning the contact lens currently in her eyeball. And I look at the field and I look back at her and I'm like, give me that contact. She pops it out of her eye. We just drizzle some water on it, you know, to clean it up a little bit. And then I pop it right back in my eye and we go on to win the game. I know it's disgusting, filthy. I'd never do it again, I think. But it was disgusting. But I knew 
that the victory was so close for us. I could see the promise. I could see the promised land. So I was willing to do something a little bit messy in order to get to the promise. See, sometimes if you want the promise bad enough, you'll be willing to get a little bit messy and a little bit uncomfortable in order to reach it. Now, I bet you that blind guy heard Jesus spitting on the ground. Now think about it. He made mud from him from his saliva. So like, He probably had to spit multiple times to get the consistency of mud. And when you lose one sense, the other senses are heightened, right? So this blind man is just hearing Jesus like nasty, right? This would cause a little bit of anxiety in my heart if I knew what Jesus was doing in front of me, but he allowed Jesus to put this mud spit on his eyes, went and washed and came home seen. Y'all, your journey of faith is gonna be a bit messy sometimes. In fact, it might even be controversial to the people around you. You might get pushback and doubt from others around you that are still spiritually blind. Even this guy did. His neighbors, if we read on in scripture, his neighbors, people that know him well, are now saying, wait, were you the guy that was blind? And they start to argue back and forth and they're like, nah, nah, that can't be him. That's definitely not him. No, that's not him. And amidst their debate, the guy who received his sight is like, y'all, it's me, I was blind, but now I can see. But the people just don't wanna believe that this could even be true. And so the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they start to investigate him and they start to ask him questions, full on interrogation. They're like, but is it really you? Like, were you really blind? Do you have any medical proof of your condition before this miracle? Okay, let's talk to your parents. Mama and daddy, was your son blind? Okay, maybe he was. How did this happen to you? And how do you have your sight now? Who did this? Full on interrogation. It didn't matter how much this man tried to answer him. Their own spiritual blindness was preventing them from seeing the miracle that had just taken place in front of them. Because they couldn't rationalize it, they instead just started to insult him. You know, I'm sure you've had friends like that before. If they can't understand your faith, if they can't rationalize it, then they'll just stoop down to insulting you. You know people have lost their ground when all they've got are insults. And so they start saying to this man, well, you were just born a total sinner. How dare you try and teach us? Like, They have now stooped to that level. Now listen to me, while you are on your way to the promised land, the journey is gonna get a little bit messy. People will have questions about your faith. And if they don't understand it, they might just insult you. But don't you ever let somebody else's spiritual blindness strip the sight from yourself. Your faith is what needs to carry you through this desert season. You know, the world is searching after proof that there is a God and that He is good. But when the evidence is laid out in front of them, right in front of their own eyes, their own blindness demands more proof. Yet for individuals like the Pharisees, there was never gonna be enough proof that would be sufficient for them. And so my question to you is, if you don't understand this so-called faith that we're talking about, how much more proof do you need to believe? How much? Because you know, I was once invited into this group chat with a guy who is a devout atheist. And he was having a conversation with his Christian friends and he didn't understand their faith. And so he asked this question to them. And this is in his own words to the Christians. He said, how many times have you yourself with your own eyes seen and recorded limbs spontaneously grow where there was previously no limb? 100 times. 
How many times have you seen a fellow believer who had died come back to life again through intercessory prayer? 100 times. How many times have you witnessed with your own eyes a blind person having their sight miraculously restored? 100 times. So I was invited into this conversation with him because I had actually witnessed a miracle. And I witnessed this miracle when I was on a mission trip in Vietnam last year. That I was speaking at a women's conference along with Pastor Maggie Lawson and a particular woman had come into this conference. And while Pastor Maggie was preaching, she received a word of, a word of knowledge from God and she spoke out and she said, somebody here has pain in their right eye. She asked a woman to come forward for prayer and this woman came forward for prayer and we didn't know that she was blind in her right eye. But Pastor Maggie started praying for her and I stood behind and I agreed with this prayer. And in that moment, her sight was restored. Afterwards, she shared her incredible testimony via a translator. And she had told all the women there how she had traveled up and down the country of Vietnam, going to doctor after doctor after doctor and nobody could help her. But there in a single moment, God answered her prayer and gave her her sight back. And so I went into this conversation and I tell the atheist of her story. And the atheist responds with just more questions. In fact, he says, well, can I see a doctor's report of her medical condition both before and after this miracle? Can I have her contact information to talk to her myself? And I'm like, sir, do you speak Vietnamese? He just wanted more and more proof, simply disregarding the miracle I had seen with my own eyes. And so he just throws his questions back at the Christians and finishes every single question with 100 times. Let me tell you, this atheist was just like the Pharisees. And so I asked him, I said, sir, will, will 100 miracle accounts actually lead you to believe? Or by setting the bar at 100, are you hoping to prove our faith to be irrational? Because sir, your questions are very guided. I just wanna understand your intentions. Because look, y'all, I'm 29 years old. I don't know 100 people that have died. So I can't tell you about 100 that have risen back to life. I also don't know 100 blind people, nor do I know 100 people that are missing a limb. See, not many people do, but I have just told you about a woman who was blind, but now she can see. I've just told you about a miracle with this one lady. But y'all, the Pharisees of this world will always have more questions for you. And when they don't like your answers, they'll just raise their number higher add in a few more boxes that you need to tick off as proof. Why? Because they're uncomfortable with the idea of not being in control in this life. They're uncomfortable with the very idea of faith. And so I said to him, I said, look, even the most remarkable and faith-filled people in the Bible didn't always receive the promise, but that was never grounds for them to give up. In fact, they knew to have faith based on the miracles they had walked through and the miracle accounts that had been passed on down to them from the people that had gone before them. Look, Jesus is not some vending machine where you punch in a certain number of prayers and out pops your promise. That is not relational faith. God is way more into the journey he gets to take you on and the lessons he gets to teach you while you are on your way to the promised land. In fact, he might just take you the long way around so that he could prepare you for the promise, so that he could gather a crowd of witnesses for the miracle that's coming your way, or so that when the promise does come, you can say without a shadow of a doubt that it was by God's divine power, not coincidence or by any strength of your own. But here's the thing, while you're on the long way around, you might see other people taking a shorter path than you. 
You actually might see other people get the promise before you do. You might become discouraged and disheartened, but this is when you need to lean in and remember every other time God had come through for you in your life. The Israelites, God's people, were led out of slavery, but then they had to wander in the desert for 40 years before they entered into the promised land. Why? Because they doubted God's power to provide for them. And they dipped into this slavery mindset that then limited their ability to possess the promise. But even throughout these 40 years, God never left them. He was still with them and he still had miraculous provision coming their way. He sent down bread from heaven, manna, so that they could eat. He let water pour out of a rock. God was still providing miracles along the way. But 40 years in, Moses, their leader died and a new leader was appointed. It was a new season and his name was Joshua. And all throughout the book of Joshua, we read victory after victory. And before every battle, uh, God says to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. But in the very beginning of his leadership, Joshua did something significant. See, he led the people across the Jordan River. Now this is a miracle in and of itself. See, what had happened was the priest walked into the river with the Ark of the Covenant and then the water was dried up. See, on one side, it built up like a wall, like a bank being held. And then it just flowed on to create a dry riverbed that the people of Israel could walk through to enter into the promised land, miracle. But once they got to the other side, God wanted them to do something to remember. Now, this is funny because I was listening to Pastor Haley's message last week and I was like, this is exactly what God has been saying to me. And she set this message up. So just so you know, God, if if he's putting it on Haley's heart and on my heart and he's trying to say it to you through multiple channels, God is really trying to say something to you. So take notes. Joshua took the instruction from the Lord and he called out to 12 men, one from each tribe. And then he said this in verses five to seven. Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children are gonna ask you, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, well, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. While you are on your way, you need to build a faith memorial. Build a faith memorial. Before Joshua continued on his journey into the promised land, he stopped to build a faith memorial, a continual reminder of God's goodness in his life, a memorial that would serve to remind his future children of what God had done for the people in the past. And why would he do this? Why would he do this now that he's in the promised land? Well, because they knew that life was not gonna be easy for them from this point on. There were still battles they needed to overcome. And so God knew that the people would need a reminder of their past to propel them into future victories. Now, some of y'all, you need to build a faith memorial this week. So even when you can't see what God is doing right here in the now, you can look back on every other time that God actually came through for you. You need to build a memorial that will remind your future children of the battles you overcame to receive your promise. 
But imagine how that atheist would have responded to Joshua. Joshua, who just walked through a miracle on dry ground. You know, the atheist, by his logic, would have said, but have you seen a hundred rivers dry up? Well, no, sir, but what I have seen is a miracle. What I have seen is enough for me to believe. What I have seen is gonna lead me to build a faith memorial that I can stand on and that my future children can stand on when they hear my story. See, what the Pharisees of this world don't realize is that we can stand on the faith memorials of those that have gone before us. We stand on the shoulders of giants in the faith, but we also keep our eyes open for the miracles happening around us. And when they do, we add them onto our own faith memorial. We collect these stories to propel our own faith and the faith of the generations that will follow us. And as we journey towards the promised land, we remember the words that God spoke to Joshua as he was stepping into the role of leader. He said to Joshua, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. While you are on your way, to the promised land. I need you to stay strong and courageous. And I say stay because I know you have been. You have been strong. You have been courageous. You have shown up to the battle. You have fought the good fight. You have prayed your heart out. And my encouragement is stay strong and courageous. You are on your way to the promised land and God has not forgotten about you, nor has he ever left you. He might just be taking you the long way round, but his desire is to use your life as a platform for his power. His desire is that you would look back on every other time he came through for you in your life, his desire is that you would stay strong and courageous. You are on your way, my friend. And look, I'm on my way too. Frosty and I have been trying to conceive a baby for 18 months. I was going to hold it together. One and a half years is a, just give me a moment. It's a long time to have a desire so strong and to be reminded of your so-called failure every single month for 18 months. I don't know why our journey has been this long, nor do I know how long it will continue to be. But what I do know is that God has now brought me to a place where I am willing to let a crowd of witnesses gather before I receive my promise. I am willing to allow my life to be a platform for His power. And I have built my own faith memorial to remind me of everything that God has brought us through so far. In fact, I brought it here with me today to show you. See, it was by God's intervention that I ended up in New Zealand in the first place. That's a story in and of itself. But it was by God's guidance and His wisdom that He led me to a boy named Frosty. And when we first started dating, I realized that one of us would have to move when we decided to get married. And to be honest, I wanted him to move to the States and he wanted me to move to New Zealand. So I prayed a prayer to God and I said, God, you need to confirm this for me because I don't know what to do. If you want me to move back to New Zealand for this boy, then I need you to get him to buy me a piece of jewelry with an airplane on it. I thought that was random enough. You don't see that kind of jewelry. Like it had to be God telling me that if Frosty were to walk in and hand me a piece of jewelry with an airplane on it. 
couple months later, Frosty having no clue that I had prayed this prayer, he bought me a necklace with an airplane on it. And in fact, this photo of our wedding day that had the symbol of an airplane all throughout it reminds me of that. When I was in Boston, I had to end my contract at a consulting firm early and I was scared that I was gonna have to pay my signing bonus back, which I no longer had. But I went into that conversation with God and this USB from that company reminds me that God sent me to that firm to learn about business growth so that I would be equipped now to lead church growth. God let me walk out of that firm without paying anything back, which was a beautiful thing. This reminds me of that. It was by God who provided when we applied to be on the Block NZ a couple years ago. We didn't get selected, they missed out. But while that show was airing, God sent us to 28 East Street, the address of the Papakura campus, where God gave us our own block, over 2,000 square meters to renovate. And this paint swatch reminds me of that. It was God who saw our faithfulness in renovating his house and then led us to buy a property of our own that has not just one, not just two, but actually three houses to renovate. Kind of like our second block, these houses remind me of that. So we may not have received the promise of a baby yet, but my faith memorial reminds me where he's journeyed with us and it helps propel me into that future victory, that future promise. This memorial gives me the ability and the capacity to look beyond my perspective of pain and to actually have a promised land perspective. It allows me to stay strong and courageous. Now you might be saying, well, Darcy, look, I don't have stories like that. I don't have stories of God's faithfulness. Well, here's the thing, just like Haley said last week, we can actually look to the lives of other people and let their stories of God's goodness and God's provision inspire our own to believe for that promise again. You know, this crunchy is very symbolic to Elam. We actually give these out in our services to celebrate. And get this, since Frosty and I started trying for a baby, we have given out 10 of these to couples at the Elam Papakota campus. Now, in those moments, it could be easy to compare and to resent God for not, getting, for not letting us get to that promise before them. But here's the thing, every time we hand out one of these crunchies, what it reminds us of is that God is still creating life. And when we have this here, it reminds us to praise Him now for our future victory. And you know Elam has an endless supply of these, right? Kind of like God has an endless supply of promises is you ain't gonna miss out. So to you who is hurting on this Mother's Day, I see you and I feel you and I urge you to stay strong and courageous. On this journey of faith, I pray that God would birth wildflowers within you. I pray that he would produce beautiful growth and maturity in your spirit. May he create bursts of color on your darkest days and may he produce life and hope while you wander in the wilderness. You are on your way. I'm on my way. We are on our way to the promised land and our faith, that's what's gonna carry us. So church, let me pray for you. God, I just thank you that you are good 
that you are faithful and that you hear every cry of your people. I pray that this week faith memorials would be built all over this nation. I pray that we would lean in and remember everything that you have done for us in the past and we would look forward to what you're gonna do in the future. And I pray that we could praise you now for that promise that we have yet to receive. God, I pray that for everybody who is out there who is hurting, would you give them strength and courage to keep believing and to keep walking on this journey with you. In Jesus' name. Now, before I go, I just wanna pray one final prayer because I know there's people out there where you're hurting, but you're also walking alone. You're out there in the desert by yourself and you don't know who God is. You don't know who Jesus is. But can I tell you, the only reason I can stay strong and courageous is because Jesus is helping carry that burden for me because Jesus is walking with me, because I know the character and the heart of God and He is good, my friend. He is faithful. And I know that if you were to say yes to Jesus today, your burden would become so much lighter. Your pain would actually get a new perspective where you could actually see the promised land and see the promises of God. And so I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. And I want to invite you in to this journey with God a journey that is good, a journey that is rewarding, and a journey that will strengthen you while you are on your way. So if you wanna start this journey with God, or maybe you've been walking by yourself for years and you wanna come back to God and get things right, I want you to pray this too. So in your living room, in your bedroom, in your car, wherever you are, say these words out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my pain. I give you my life. And God, I ask that you would give me a new perspective. Help me to see the promised land. Help me to see the future victory. God, I want you in this journey with me. I want you walking in the desert with me. God, I want you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Everything I have is yours. Help me to be strong and courageous. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you just prayed that prayer, that is the best decision you will ever make in your life. Your journey is gonna look different from this point on. Your journey is gonna change and you're gonna discover strength and courage like you've never had before. I want you to lean into this and I want you to, to listen to what's gonna come next so you know what step that you can take to continue on in this journey. Church, I pray that this message blessed you and I pray that you have an incredible week. God bless y'all. We'll see you next Sunday.